This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Well, good morning. How is everybody? So glad all of you are here, and let's just pray as we get started. Father, I just thank you so much for, Lord, just your sweet presence that's in this place this morning. Father, thank you that even as we entered into worship today, that you met us right there. Father, I thank you as we dig into your word this morning and we study your word. Father, I pray that your word, we know that your word is truth. And so, Father, we just pray that truth come forth in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, we just give you permission to work and to move and to pierce our hearts if need be, to encourage us if need be. We just posture ourselves to receive your word this morning and exactly what you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so who knows what chapter we're on? Chapter 26 of this story. And so um, if you know, the title of that chapter is actually called The Hour of Darkness. Um, how many would say that sounds like an exciting chapter? Yeah, I don't know about that. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah. Y'all dark people are like, yeah, darkness. Um, <laughs> but we're not going there. Um, instead, today I really want to talk about who is this Jesus. You know, over the past several weeks, we've celebrated the birth of Jesus. We've seen his first miracle. We've seen him cast out demons, heal the sick, love the unlovely. We've seen him teach the disciples and many others. We've seen him walk on water, and we've even seen him raise a dead man back to life. Last week, Pastor Bob talked about um, kind of the disciples and when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And so that's the question today is, who is Jesus? Who do people say that he is? Who do you say that he is? And who does he say that he is? And so I thought what I would do is um, actually kind of describe a little bit of what the last week of Jesus' life looked like. So let's do that. So we know it's a Sunday morning, right? He, uh, the day previous, he's just raised Lazarus back to life, who had been dead for what, like four days or something? So there, the buzz is going on. Like there is some talk about this man. They are excited. The people are excited. The Jews are excited. And so on Sunday, we see that Jesus has a triumphant entry into town, right? We see that, um, well, let me ask you this. Who is this Jesus? We see on Sunday that Jesus is identified by the Jews as king. Everybody say king. Let's look at John chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 12 through 15. And let's start right here in verse 12. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. So we see right here that actually the Jews for the very first time in scripture actually acknowledge Jesus as king. Very first time we see the Jews acknowledge Jesus as king. Now, real quick question. Does anybody in here actually know what Hosanna means? What would you say? 
to save. Close, very close. A lot of us think it's like praise. How many of you think Hosanna means praise? You know, ho, 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 Hosanna. Yeah, that's why I'm not on the worship team. But kind of a lot of us think that's like a praise and excitement. Hosanna actually means save now. And so the Hosanna means save and the na means now. And so right here, they're saying save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed the king of Israel. And let's pick up in verse 14. It says, Jesus found a young donkey. He sat on it. And as it is written, it says, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And so this actually is a quote from Zechariah chapter 9, 9. And this is a prophecy fulfilled, Jesus as king entering in on a colt. Little side note there, not a donkey, actually a colt. The lowest of lows, Jesus comes in entering as the king of the Jews before the people. Prophecy is fulfilled, and the prophecy was actually made about 500 years prior. Many scholars say that Jesus probably stayed the night in Bethany. Now, what do we know about Bethany? We know that um, Bethany is like several miles southeast of Jerusalem. Those of you that went with us to um, Israel last year, uh, I don't know if you guys remember when we were on the Mount of Olives, and we got taken up there by bus, and then we kind of zigzagged down where all the tombs and the graves were. Well, Bethany was just the next hill over on the east side. So Bethany was not too far of a journey from Jerusalem. So we see Bethany. We also know that probably Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Bethany was their hometown. So on Sunday, Jesus comes. The Jews see him as a king. And then we know that he probably goes to bed that night in Bethany. King Jesus on Sunday by the Jews. On Monday, Jesus gets up. I mean, as most of us do in a morning, right? He gets up, he leaves for Bethany, he curses the fig tree. Anybody remember the fig tree? He curses the fig tree on his way into the city. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Jesus cleanses, in the, cleanses the temple for the second time in his ministry. Monday has happened. Heads back to Bethany, goes to sleep. Tuesday, what does Jesus do? He wakes up. He leaves Bethany. As he's headed back into Jerusalem, he crosses the little fig tree. What do we see that happens to the fig tree? It's withered up, right? It's withered up, it's dead. So Jesus actually uses that opportunity to teach the disciples on faith. Then Jesus continues on into town, and he teaches in the temple. He taught in the temple often. That wasn't something that was uncommon. So the question is, who is this Jesus? Jesus identifies himself as the light of the world. John chapter 12, verse 44 through 46. It says, Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So we see Jesus comes as a king. We see here on Tuesday, he identifies himself as the light of the world. The light of the world. Just let that sink in a minute. The light of the world. We know that day that later on, Jesus' authority is questioned. 
Judas begins to bargain with the Sanhedrin to betray him. What can I get out of this if I show you who he is? And then he goes back and he lays his head down that night in Bethany. Now, surprisingly, the day Wednesday, there's no, not any mention in the Gospels of exactly what took place. So there's a couple speculations. Some may say that um, his opponents were plotting to kill him. Some may say he was preparing for the Last Supper because Passover was about to begin. Some say he may have just been resting. I don't know. We can, we can only assume. But we know that Thursday comes. Thursday's a pretty busy day. Thursday, they get up. Peter and John are sent to make preparations for the Passover meal. After sunset that day, Jesus eats a meal with the 12. He washes the disciples' feet, and then Jesus departs. During this time, Jesus predicts Judas' betrayal, and Jesus predicts Peter's denial. So who is this Jesus? On Thursday, what do some of the people say? Jesus is identified by the disciples as teacher and Lord. In John chapter 13, verse 13 through 15, it says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your, te- now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So here he is, and who who identifies him as teacher and Lord? It's the disciples. You are teacher and Lord. So who is this Jesus? The disciples say in this moment that he's teacher and Lord. John chapter 14, verses 6 through 7, Jesus identifies himself as the way to the Father. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So we see here that Jesus identifies himself as the way to the Father. Who is this Jesus? We see in John chapter 15, verse 5, that Jesus identifies himself as the true vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We know on this Thursday that after some of this teaching that Jesus goes on to pray in the garden of Gethsemane. And then we know that Jesus is portrayed by Judas, right? He and his little Roman entourage come in and There he is, right? Jesus, in this moment, identifies himself as Jesus of Nazareth. And let's look at this. John chapter 8, verse 5. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they threw back and fell to the ground. That just stuck out. That stuck out to me when I was reading this this week. Like, here they are, I am he, Jesus of Nazareth. He speaks it, and I don't know. It's probably because I'm, like, in this sci-fi family, but I kind of just see in a moment that, like, they throw back and they're, like, immediately bowing before the Lord. I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. It's just kind of the visual 
that popped up in my head that, I mean, it says they fell. They drew back and they fell to the ground. Why did they fall to the ground? Kind of reminds me of um, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. It's kind of like the I am, I am he, is kind of declaring his character, his attributes. He's, I, I, I am God. I am. I am. So Jesus, we know that night, is arrested, right? Arrested by the Sanhedrin. We know that Peter ends up what? Betraying him, denying him three times. And then Friday is here. So Jesus went from all hell King Jesus, as we sing about today, right? He's the king. He's the king. He's our king. To being questioned, to being persecuted, to continuing to teach, continuing to stand, continuing to hear God's voice and communicate it, to Friday. When he's arrested, he is put on trial, and Jesus is crucified. Something interesting about that, guys, is Pilate didn't find him guilty of anything. The same people that said he is the king several days later are saying, crucify him. Talk about a love-hate relationship, right? <laughs> From one extreme to the other. So my question is, is who is this Jesus? We see that Jesus identified, was identified by the Jews as king. Jesus is identified by the disciples as teacher and Lord. And then Jesus identifies himself as the light of the world, the way to the Father, the true vine, and Jesus of Nazareth, the I am he, I am who I am. So who is this Jesus? As I was studying this week, actually a particular number stood out to me. Crystal, you might appreciate this. Um, the number three stood out to me this week as we were reading through the story in chapter 26. We know that Jesus prayed how many times in Gethsemane? Three. In case you don't know, guys, the answer's going to be three, okay? All right, so next, Peter denied knowing Jesus how many times? Three times. Pilate makes three appeals to the Sanhedrin, to the people, and to the priests. Jesus was offered three drinks, the arrival at Calvary, when at the cross, and at the end of his life. When we look at Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 46, it says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we haven't read this yet, but um, next week we talk about the resurrection. And what day does that happen on? Three, right? So what's the significance of this three? Well, a lot of times in the Bible, the number three actually represents wholeness, completion, and perfection. Y'all, he was at the cross. Wholeness, completion, perfection. John chapter 19, verse 30, it says, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. In bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It 
is finished. Who is this Jesus? Who do you say that he is? For me personally, I say he's my redeemer, my savior, my friend, my healer. There's probably about a hundred other names that you could throw out there. What we know is that Jesus paid the ultimate price for you and for me. That is who Jesus is. Jesus came as a man. He lived a sinless life. Why? To restore a broken relationship. So that we could have relationship with the Father. So, how many of you guys remember when you picked this book up in January or February? If you don't have the book, let me know. I've got a couple extras and you can finish out with this. So, we're reading this story, right? And we've talked about the upper story. We've talked about the lower story. Guys, this week, everything that God planned for us at the beginning of this book is finally happening, is going to happen. So you see, we know that what? God created the world, right? We know that he created the world. His vision back at the beginning was to come down and to be with mankind in a beautiful garden. We know that he created who? Adam and Eve. And we know that they were given the choice. And we know that Adam and Eve rejected God's vision for their life. And we know that then they were escorted out of the garden. Some translations say escorted out of paradise. And so at that moment, we know this thing called sin came into the earth, right? So it was awesome. It was great. Sin's here now. God's plan to walk with us and things go well Mankind messed it up. Like Rob said, has said numerous times, if it wasn't Adam and Eve, it would have been him. It would have been any of us, right? We, we, we know ourselves well enough to know it would have been. One of us would have messed it up for everybody. So sin has entered the world. And at that point, sin begins to keep us from God's presence. And that was passed down to all mankind. But God had a plan, Right? That's what this whole story has been about up to this point. It's God is like, how can I get back together with my people? How can I get back to relationship with humankind? And so that's what God the Father did. He provided a way. He sent his only son to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. This sinless son of God the second person of the Trinity. We sang about that today, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit took on flesh and he died on that cross for me and for you, for every single human being, for all of mankind. So I want to make one more mention of the number three. How many crosses were there that day on the hill of Calvary? Three. So there were three crosses, and I want you to just kind of follow with me for a moment. And I'm going to say the one cross, the cross in the center, we're going to say represents Jesus. That, I mean, that's where he was. And we know there was a cross to his left, and there was a cross to the right. And these two remaining crosses represent us, all humanity, our sin, our shame, our failures, our sickness, our lack. I think you get the point. And so today we're given two choices. If we look at those two men hanging on the cross, and let's just gaze over to the man over here. I guess that's my left. Would that be your right? The man over here on this cross. 
This man was a criminal. He had committed a crime. He was found guilty. He was angry. Y'all, maybe he had said, life has just given me lemons. It was sour. It was bitter. Circumstance after circumstance. Maybe he thought life was unfair. Maybe things happened in his life. Maybe he was abused, forgotten, and abandoned. Maybe he was sick and in pain. Maybe he had broken relationships, a failed marriage, a lost loved one, lost sibling, lost child. Maybe he had failed in his business. Maybe he had all these hopes and dreams for them to be squashed. How do you guys know that it's really easy to become bitter and angry when facing circumstances that sometimes we don't have control over? Some of those may have been his own decisions. Some of them might have just been the hand that he's dealt. So when presented with hope that day by Jesus himself in the flesh, he had a choice. And you know what he chose? He chose to reject Christ. At the end of his life, with minutes to spare, maybe hours, we don't know exactly when it was spoken, what was his response? He hurled insults at Jesus. This is actually in the message version, Luke 23, 39. It says, one of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him. Some Messiah you are, save yourself, save us. So he's like, Psh, whatever, right? He refused to let go of the past, which kept him from walking into his future that could have been much brighter, much more hopeful. He chose the cross of rebellion. He possibly chose to blame others, blame Jesus, instead of seeking forgiveness for himself. So we've got Jesus in the middle, right? We've got one man on this cross. Let's talk about the man on this cross, all right? So the man on the right side of Jesus. He was pretty much like the man on the left side at this point. He was a criminal. He'd committed a crime, and he was found guilty. He could have been angry. He could have been dealt the same lemons. <laughs> he may have thought life was unfair. Maybe he was abused, forgotten, and abandoned. Maybe he was sick in pain. Maybe he had broken relationships and a failed marriage. Maybe he had failed as a businessman. Maybe he had a failed dream. You see, the man on this right of Jesus was just as guilty as this man on the left. He was going through the same exact thing that turned one man bitter. He was suffering the same pain, the same guilt, the same shame that made this man furious. Now, here's the reality, guys. How do you know we're all going to face crisis and trials in our life? Okay, if you know Jesus, or if you don't, <laughs> trials are going to come. Things are not going to always be easy and peachy, right? We all have to take up our cross and bear it. And so my challenge today is that you don't waste your cross. Don't come to the end of your life with regret because you've allowed hurt, anger, bitterness to rob you of true joy. You see, this thief on the right side, he 
had actually wasted quite a few of his years. But what do we see that he did? Luke chapter 23, verse 42. Then he said, this is the man on the right, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him and said, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. We have one that rejected Christ, and we had one that embraced Christ. Both guilty, both had lived a sinful life, but he chose to embrace Christ. And so my question today is, which cross will you choose? Will you choose to reject Christ, or will you choose to embrace Christ? And it's pretty true, two kind of strong words. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty much opposite, reject or embrace. Like the guy on the left, will you reject God's upper story, God's plan for your life, his will for your life, his purpose for your life? Or will you embrace, like the guy did on the right, God's upper story, his plan for your life, his will for your life, his purposes for your life? You see, the choice is yours. Who do you say that Jesus is? going to ask the worship team to come up. Who do you say that Jesus is? Was he just a man? Who is he to you? I'm going to invite you guys to bow your heads and even if you're at home or you're listening at this, listening to this, just bow your head and close your eyes a moment. And I just want to ask you, if you are here or if you are listening to this message and you have never called upon the name of Jesus, you've never called on him to be your Lord, you never called on him to be your Savior, guess what? Today can be your day. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done just like the two criminals on that cross. You can choose to reject them or you can choose to embrace them. And so I want to ask you today, if you're here in this place, if you're listening, and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just encourage you wherever you're at, if that's you, to just lift up your hands. And that's not for me. That's more as a posture of surrender to the Lord. And I encourage you to pray something like this. Lord, you know <laughs> that I can't live this life without you any longer. I've tried to do things in my own way, in my own strength, with my own power and my own ability. And God, that's not your way. Your ways are higher than my way. Lord, I choose to repent, to say I'm sorry for doing things in my own strength. And Lord, I ask you to come into my life, to invade me. Holy Spirit, I ask you into my life to make me new. Father, just like that man on the right on the cross that 
in that moment, Jesus is like, no problem. You're going to be with me in paradise in just a few. And so Lord, I thank you that when we choose you, we are guaranteed that paradise, that eternity with you and in your presence. And so, Father, I pray right now for every single person that prayed that prayer, Father. I thank you that every bit of heaviness is lifting and going in Jesus' name. That blinders are falling off those eyes. That hope is arising on the inside. That peace, the joy of a king, of the light of the world, is our true line. Takes rulership and ownership in our life today. Father, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. If you made that decision today, I just encourage you to get our connection card. And there's actually a place on there where you can say, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. And please mark that because we would love to get one of our pastors, or our elders to call you and give you some next steps on what to do now that Jesus is your king. And I don't want to finish quite yet, but I've got one other thing. I want you to realize, you know, sometimes as believers, we continue to believe the lie of the enemy that we're not worthy, that we're not good enough. Like I've accepted Jesus as King and Lord, but I messed up today. I sinned today. I've fallen short. And I want you to know that he took your shame. He took your guilt. He took your iniquities so that you could live free from that grip. Y'all, even as believers, he does not want you living in condemnation and guilt. That is from the enemy. It will keep you from fulfilling all that God has for you. The reality is, is we will face trials. We will face attacks and we will suffer sometimes in this fallen world. But we as believers cannot let the enemy keep us from our destiny. Y'all, he has a purpose for us here on the earth. The end picture is paradise and heaven with him. But he has a purpose and a plan and a will for your life here on the earth. Just like Pastor Bob was saying during the offering. That could be in your profession. It could be as a mom, as a spouse, as a parent. God has a purpose and a plan for you as a believer here on this earth. And so I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to just ask you guys to close your eyes once again. Maybe you're here today or you're listening online and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but maybe you're rejecting some of his ways. And so what do I mean by that? Well, maybe you're choosing bitterness over goodwill. Maybe you're choosing sickness over healing. Maybe you're choosing unforgiveness over forgiveness. Maybe you're choosing pain over healing, offense. Discord over peace, fear over faith, addiction over freedom. And let me tell you that today, Jesus wants that broken in your life. And it's a choice that we make. And so if you are in this place, if you're listening and you'd say, you know what? 
I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I've been rejecting some of his ways. And today I want to embrace what his word says. I'm going to invite you to stand up. I'm not going to call you forward, but I'm just going to invite you to stand up wherever you are. If you're here in person, if you're at home, just stand up. And let me tell you, if your heart's kind of pattering right now, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, yep, that's you. That's you. I'm wanting to do a work in your life right now. If any of those things I just said, bitterness, sickness, unforgiveness, pain, offense, fear, addictions, if you're choosing those over what the Word of God says, I just encourage you to stand right now wherever you're at. Father, I thank you for every single person in this place, Father. Every single person that's listening, I thank you that you're working. I thank you that you're moving. And Lord, for those that had the boldness to stand this morning, and Lord, even those that maybe didn't stand and they're like, that's me. Father, we declare freedom in their life right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that they choose to embrace your ways instead of the ways of the world. And God, I thank you that as they choose your ways, that you're magnified. God, I thank you that as they choose your ways, that they see the blessing that comes with that. Father, we just come against all guilt, all shame in Jesus' name. Because God, that's not your ways. That's not your ways. That is not your way. You went to the cross for absolutely all of that. And Lord, we choose to hold on to your word and to do what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord.